What's going on you rogues, rebels, and renegades? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Rogue Country Podcast. How are you doing? How are you keeping? Welcome to episode 60 of the Rogue Country Podcast. We did it. I can't believe we're at this number already. I hope you enjoyed the last episode where me and Josh sat down to talk about the great things that happened in 2022 and what is the great things that are happening in 2023. Some of the amazing things happening in 2023, we announced recently, we are doing some incredible Hank 100 celebration shows. So to celebrate the 100th birthday of the legendary Hank Williams, I don't need to explain to you guys who that is. We are putting on two shows in the UK. The first show we are putting on in Swansea at the Bunkhouse, and that is on Sunday, the 17th of September on Hank's actual birthday. And that is going to be the Taff Rapid String Band. Josh Bettis and Ashley Harding and on the same day at the same time we're putting on an all-dayer in Birkenhead my hometown it's going to be me the Banner Band the Young Devils Cold Hands and Brandon Ridley and it's going to be an all-dayer at the Swinging Arm in Birkenhead and that is free entry you cannot beat these shows these are going to be the best shows in September I guarantee you right now you are not going to find better shows with better artists than what we're putting on because that's our goal that's what we're aiming to do and for 10 pound at the bunkhouse in swansea you can see a phenomenal lineup of the taff rapid string band josh bettis and ashley harden and in birkenhead for free entry at the swinging arm you can see me mike west the banner band young devils cold hands and brandon ridley but hey it's not all about us guess who else is touring the uk coming up in february from the 9th to the 12th American Aquarium are over and you do not want to miss these guys on February 9th they're playing London on the 10th Manchester I've got my ticket 11th Glasgow and 12th Leeds not only are American Aquarium come over guess who else is coming over Mike and the Moon Pies I love these guys in April on April 1st in Newcastle they're playing then on the 2nd they're in London then on the 3rd they're in Nottingham on the 4th they're in Manchester and on the 5th they are in Oxford you do not want to miss any of these dates and I am super excited to be saying I am opening for them in Manchester on the 4th of April so get your tickets for those because without you guys coming out and supporting these gigs country music will die in the UK we need you rogues to come out and support it Speaking of supporting Rogue Country, thank you so much to Ed over at Pawns or Kings for repping the Rogue Country t-shirts on his latest videos. It was a really nice thing to see and it brought a smile to my face to see you repping and it was nice to see people in the comments asking where that shirt was from. So thank you so much Ed for wearing it and you can buy your t-shirts over at our Bandcamp, roguecountry.uk forward slash Bandcamp. I'll put the links in all our socials. It's dead easy to find. And yeah, what else have we done? We've got Hank Flyers coming. We've got stickers coming. Finally, we have Rogue Country stickers. I'm so excited to stop sticking them everywhere. It's going to be fun. If you would like some flyers and some stickers to help spread the rogue word, get in touch with either me or Josh, and we will send you some out. You don't have to pay postage, anything like that. We just want to help you help us spread the word because we're a community. We're a family. We're a bunch of rogues together, and the only way we can make a change in the UK for country and roots music is by working together. On that note, episode 60 of the Rogue Country podcast is with the awesome Buffalo Ghost, a.k.a. Joe Armitage. He's a producer, a musician, 
songwriter, engineer. He's got many hats and many talents, and it was a fabulous time to talk to him about his production techniques, building home studios, playing in the Sheffield scene, writing songs, recording in his kitchen, and it's a fantastic talk. I'm going to share it with you right now. So without further ado, this is episode 60 of the Road Country Podcast with Mike West and Buffalo Ghost. Yeah, where are you? Uh, in my garage, I've kind of set up a, a studio. So uh, let's look around. There's uh, lots of stuff here. But mm. I've just got some black curtains. And um, so they're all the way around. So it, it mm. kind of deadens it a little bit. That's the, that's the idea anyway. Because yeah. um, I was in the attic. Mm. And the attic was um, too small. <laughs> Couldn't record <laughs> anybody over five foot seven. Oh. <laughs> uh, because I was literally in the in the uh, the apex of the of the uh, mm. of the, the roof. So when I've recorded Jody in there, it was like trying to get Jody through a loft, <laughs> cut out, up a loft ladder was uh, hilarious for me. Yeah, yeah it's like, like Harry and the Hendersons when Harry ends up in the house. It, yes, yeah, very <laughs> much. So. But, but you know, it, the sound was great in there because it's mm. all lots of insulation. Plus, my daughter's collection of a thousand cuddly toys <laughs> so they were just all around the walls and um it was great because it just provided really really good sound didn't it um, yeah. so we recorded these or most of his um solo stuff up there mm. and then uh, it got to a point it was like i can't just keep crawling up and down the loft ladder so mm. i'm starting to turn the garage into a, into a studio but i've still got a garage door like that way mm. uh, it's got curtains in front of it but it's not completely soundproof and it's a bit and it's freezing in here so uh it's a work in progress but it's a room and that's yeah. all you need isn't it? yeah so are you the same are you got a spare is that um, your... so so this is this is like my office and it weirdly you don't realize how much things can affect like the sound of a room like i like we redecorate the whole house so i talk i've got um all my artwork and stuff hanging up and on the wall behind me was all my uh, old tour posters i'd like all the gigs I'd played, all the posters I'd got. And we took all that down, so all the walls were bare, and I was just playing guitar in here. And the difference in it was, you wouldn't think just having a few frames and a few posters down would make such a difference. And then I started putting everything back up, and it started just sounding a bit warmer and things. It's a really weird thing. But I don't do the level that you do with like your production and engineering stuff. This is, I record through Audacity to do demos and then I'll try and get into a studio and stuff. But with your garage, like I think home studios, especially the pandemic showed the need for those type of things. So you could do remote recording and stuff. What did you have kind of before COVID and what like did the pandemic influence you and what you did next and how you padded out your, your garage and stuff? Funny enough, it kind of went the other way. Mm. When I was in my, my um, I moved into this house 10 years ago. So it was, it was quite a way before the pandemic. But mm. in my old house, I'd got an attic and I'd kind of built it as a studio and stuff. And I wasn't doing the, the level of production I, I am now, but it was a space where I could go and, um, and literally record and, and play around and stuff like mm. that. And then we moved here. Um, I didn't have anywhere. Um, I'd got my laptop and a mic, um, and I was writing and stuff. And I and I've always had logic and really enjoyed doing production, but I was only ever really doing it for myself. Mm. And um, when lockdown hit, uh, my wife was working at home, 
I suddenly got furloughed from the day job and both the kids were at home and I've got teenage kids. Well, one of them is past a teenager now. And so there was four of us in the house, but I'd suddenly got time where I was like, right, I'm never going to have this opportunity again. I'm going to record, write and record an album. Mm. And so the need to to find space was then really funny because it was like, I don't have anywhere. Um, right. You're in that room. You're in that room. Okay. Why? Well, um, Charlie's in the kitchen. Right. Where am I going to go? So I was literally moving around the house to record various bits and bobs. So for the, for that album, a lot of the acoustic guitars and stuff were recorded in my lounge because it's mm. it, on the sofa because it's very padded. And, you know, and a very dead sound. So a lot of them were all done in there. And then a lot of the vocals were done in my bedroom, oh, which cool. is directly yeah. above this garage. Um, because, uh, no, only because nobody was in there. So that, <laughs> that was the only place I could record those. Uh, all the put up, all the like, um, fortunately, all the drums were recorded remotely because. Mm. I'd got a couple of guys with me doing the um doing the album and my drummer um uh, for that album and this uh, this new album actually is a guy called Rob uh, Roger Luxton who's my brother-in-law and he lives mm. in Cornwall and he's a session drummer and he was off work so it's like well, what I'm going to do so he recorded all the drums where he was sent me all those stems so at least I didn't have to try and record a drum kit in a yeah. house in four other people so they were all done so it was just mixing those um and then the bass was Andy Dye from mm, Fargo. Yeah. So he did all, all that. And then various other people were just sending me bits and bobs remotely. But mixing was the, the hardest thing. So I didn't have any speakers at the time, no monitors, because they were still at work. Mm. So trying to find headphones was really hard, uh, trying to mix on headphones. And I've got these really nice headphones now. But at the mm. time, I went through like three sets of Shure headphones in a year because they just snapped all the time. Yeah. I was like, oh. So annoying. But uh, yeah, so it, it was recorded like all the way around. And then it, it I don't quite know how I managed to kind of get it all done. 90% of it was mixed on headphones as well. Mm. So um, it was just, it was just, I didn't really mind because at the time I just needed, uh, it was just, I felt so lucky to be able to have the time to be able to do it. Yeah. I didn't really realize that I wasn't in a, you know, in a studio or, you know, in a, an environment that was, you know, not ideal. Um, and I think you can get away with quite a lot now. You know, I don't think you need to be in a really no. like dead environment in a studio. I think that mics and, and, and technology that we've got are so good and you can do it anyway. You can make a room sound deader. I mean, these curtains I've got, I've just bought on eBay. These are like um, X stage. They're actually L, L Street Studios. Oh, yeah. Uh, some guy was selling them and they were in a right state. Uh, hmm. um, I had to drive down to um, High Wycombe to get them. <laughs> and then I got back and he'd only given me half of them. Oh, fucking hell. So I had to phone him up and go, what's going on? Uh, you know, and he'd given me half these things. And I, you know, it was a bit of a dick. He was like, oh, well, you can make me an offer for the other half. I was like, oh, fuck no, bought those. Yeah. <laughs> so I drove down the next day to go mm. and get them. So it's like a 200 mile round trip. Fucking you hell. Know, but yeah. they're really nice and they, you know, they do make a difference and they make it warmer, which is one of the main things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, 
I was recording yesterday because I, I, as well as doing my own stuff, I record with um, uh, like a singing group with um, Ash Gray and yeah. uh, Mark yeah. Allen called Mark Ash, Mark and Joe. Great name. But um, Mark's a producer in Nashville and he's been doing it for like donkey's years. Mm. You know, he's like got 30 years of recording experience in both Atlanta and um, and um in, in Nashville and we just recorded in Ash's kitchen yesterday and the way that he just kind of goes we did three part harmonies all together with mm. hardly any bleed and he's like yeah that's good I can you know I can work with that and it's fine and then doing acoustic guitars he's just doing he's he just like he's like right okay yeah it's there and he's yeah. like bang on you know and it's just that experience that it, it, you know it doesn't have to be absolutely perfect in fact, I sometimes like the fact that sometimes things can sound a bit off. Yeah, no, totally. Um, like I watched um, the Billie Eilish documentary uh, like a few months ago, and seeing yeah, that she amazing. literally recorded those albums in her bedroom with her brother. Obviously, yeah. they've got the high end gear and stuff, so it's you know it's not a bedroom recording that teenagers or whatever will think of. But as long as you have some good sounding gear and you know what you're doing with it, you don't have to be beholden to studios and yeah. those type of things because yeah. you know what we're recording on now is probably more technologically advanced than what robert johnson used to record his records in yeah. his ho- in that hotel room yeah, so exactly. the opportunities we've got and now from technology are insane yeah i mean it's incredible i mean i watched that documentary as well and and um and there's um there's a really good podcast called tape notes mm. and phineas does one on that and that's oh, yeah. really, really, yeah, really, really interesting because he talks about all the mics they use and all the all the Ooh. gear. Mm. And the mics that they originally used were like $40 mics. Yeah. So Ocean Eyes and stuff like that are all recorded on really cheap stuff. I mean, he's an amazing producer, so he knows kind of the intricacies of how yeah. to get that, that sound so well. And um, But I think that's really inspiring, really inspiring. And... Um, uh, and what they what they've done, I mean, the way that she can sing so softly and and get that dynamic is yeah. is amazing. Um, and I love stuff like that. Um, but but conversely as well, I I went through a, a stage of really listening to to Boniver, uh, mm. who I love, and that first album, the one that's done in the you know for Emma, for whatever I can't remember exactly the name of the title, the one that he did in the cabin, and he just went up with a load mm. of recording gear, and um. And I know that there's a lot of post-production that's probably been done on it and things, but I like the fact that it's very rough, mm. like especially the vocals, because he layers them up. I love the fact that they don't quite match up. Mm. I love the fact that it's a little bit, you get that ethereal quality and it's not bang on. I like the fact that you can hear the guitar moving and the mm. things creaking and, and things like that. And I, I kind of, I embrace that a little bit. A to 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 say that it's kind of it's an artistic decision mm. to get me out of it sounding a bit crap, but actually I quite like it. Um, I was um I, the stuff I recorded with Jody for his solo album that we did that's not out yet. I don't know if he's played you any. He's played but, bits. Uh, yeah. So all the chord organ stuff. Mm. Um, I went on eBay and bought two like really cheap chord. You can get chord organs for like fifteen quid. And they're brilliant, um, but they they're quite noisy. So the keys mm. kind of you get the yeah in of all the noise. And I'm like, I can either spend like a ton of time taking that out, or I can leave it in and 
make you realize what the instrument actually sounds like. Yeah. So I left them in because I, I really like the fact that they you can hear the fan. In fact, in one of the tracks at the end, I leave the fan going and then I turn it off. So you hear the click and then the fan going, ooh, <laughs> which I like. As a, yeah. You know, a little moment. It just gives um, it like substance and texture to it because you can do it as yeah. cleanly as possible. But then it almost feels not soulless, but it's it doesn't have that same weight and same groundness that you, you're listening to a real person play a real instrument. I think that's a really important thing for music yeah, is to exactly. know that it's a yeah. And I, I, I was finding the same thing with guitars as well. It's like I've got um I've got a really nice tailor that I use live that I've had for a while, and it's a twelve fret. I think you've seen it. It's the little, mm. little tiny one. And it's and it sounds beautiful live, and it's really bright and really gorgeous. But I don't record with it very much because it's it's almost too clean and too mm. too bright. So I've got like a really old like um, Epiphone J two hundred that I've had for oh god twenty years, mm. and I, I hardly ever change the strings on it. So it's dead as fuck, and it <laughs> just sounds great when mm. you just it just sounds like really woody and really yeah. like you know and and if I'm doing acoustic guitar and vocal and stuff i'll use that like 99 percent of the time yeah. just because i prefer the sound to it it's like when um when again recording jody when with his guitar you know it's just it, you feel i love recording that guitar because you can feel the history in it yeah. just kind of seeping out of it and you know it's you know that's that's kind of nice to do really but yeah so uh but yeah i just i just like the fact that you can get so many different sounds out of so many different instruments and that i think you're trying to sometimes if you try and um overproduce stuff i mean it, it's a fine line because you don't want it to sound rubbish yeah but yeah it's, no it's but about... i i also think in terms of people say stuff is overproduced as a cop-out to say they just didn't like it or they like they changed musical direction as opposed to the actual sound of it it's like what do you actually mean by overproduced do you mean kind yeah. of before they even hit record is it the producer dictating or pushing them a certain way as opposed yeah. to the actual production value i think it's an interesting thing i think because i've seen it with a few different like country and americana artists where it's overproduced quote unquote but it's not any different in terms of production quality instrumentation whatever whatever it's just they've gone yeah. a different direction yeah no i think you're right and i think it's right it's like there's stuff that i would that i listen to i was like talking about billy eilish and stuff like that you know that's that's People will say, you know, the production on that is so pristine, so close, so, you know, minute details mm. and stuff like that. But I love it because the songs are good, you know, and it's yeah. interesting. And yeah. conversely, you know, I like, you know, you listen to, you know, Hardy or some like that in the country scene as well, that really pop, you know, country pop stuff mm. that's, you know, made for the, the radio market. And it's got to be really, you know, mastered really loud and it's got to have that like punch to it. And I like that as well. Yeah. But I, I think know. for like pop and stuff, you want it produced to that like level where you, cause you don't want to hear the breath or you, the creak in those yeah. things because it, that's not what that market is after. That's not what it's yeah. for. But yeah. if you listen to a yeah. punk record or an old country record, you want to hear that thing that just shows that they're real people and the real thing doing it. Not necessarily yeah. DIY, like. but given that level of production value to it. I think the thing is, as long as the song doesn't get lost, there's, there's yeah. so many songs and pop songs and things that you listen to, and then um, and and they're great songs, and you take them at face value, but then you'll suddenly hear somebody cover it, and I know it's kind of it's really um, 
popular to do that thing where you take a really kind of poppy song and then you slow it down. You do it on a you do it on a ukulele or something. Yeah. You know what I mean, it's like I know that's done to death, but what it does is it it kind of um, it shows you the song yeah. and especially lyrics as well. And and I think there's so many songs that you suddenly hear to and you go, oh my god, that's so dark. Mm. You know, it's like uh, I used to cover "Baby Jane" by Rod Stewart. And you know his versions are like you know like it's like really swingy poppy stuff. Mm. But you you take that song apart and it's like you know it's so dark. It's like don't forget I know secrets about you. Yeah, and it's like wow man, that's like Rod. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? You know, it's like you know people like that that you you suddenly you take a song apart and I, and I think that's you know um that's why covers are you know are really good. I think. um when you suddenly discover the meaning and and the, and what you take from it yourself yeah. as a song, you know that's um you know quite a valuable thing and mm-hmm. uh, yeah I think that everybody on a production course or especially on a, a music course and stuff should be made to do a cover. Mm. Uh, so uh, I think that's quite interesting. Mm. Um, we did it for the Sheffield the Sheffield thing, which is the the album that we've just done with um for uh, as a charity. Yeah, I saw uh, that online. Yeah, it's great. So we, what, me and a guy called um, uh, Harry Welburn, who you know very well, who does the radio show in Sheffield, came up with mm. the idea in twenty beginning of twenty twenty actually to do saying, oh, we should do a charity album for Under the Stars, which is a a brilliant charity in Sheffield that does um, music and theatre um, arts for mm. adults with learning difficulties. Oh, cool! And um, there's a really good, uh, amazing singer called Julie Waldron who who works for the charity. So we knew it quite well, and they used to do these these great uh, uh, DJ and, and club nights at the Lead Mill. Mm. Um, they put these bands together and stuff. And we're like, oh, we should do something for that. What well, we should do? Sheffield artists covering other Sheffield artists. Mm. So that's where it was born. So it, we kind of got loads of people together, mainly, mainly mates. Really, it was yeah. like so, like and Jody and and uh, Ash Gray and. Um, you know, people like that and Julia and, and, and so, and we just literally finished, we actually did the gig this year. So it, mm. it, it was, it was really, it was such a great time, but hearing how people tackle covers, you yeah. know, was, was great, you know, and um, really good fun. I ended up doing the Thompson twins, <laughs> hold <laughs> me now, uh, which is such a poppy song, but I kind of, again, made it slower, stripped yeah. it down, and, you know. So, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's just quite interesting to to do those things, to, mm. to kind of dig into songs, yeah. you know. And what made you kind of first think about production? Because obviously, like, not all musicians are engineers or producers and stuff, but what kind of drew you to that type of thing? Were you into the engineering side of it before you became, like, Buffalo Ghost and that side of things, or did it kind of become yeah. part and parcel at the same time? Yeah, I, I think it... I think it be- I think it became one of those things where I was songwriting. I used to do a lot of recording when I was when I was younger. So mm. when, I, when I was really young, there was none, none of this was about, you know, no. so you had you know, you had your four track, you know, with your tape and, and I still love that kind of aspect of, you know, you get it or you don't get it and um so I've always been drawn to doing that, but then you'd kind of you know, that was as far as I got. I'd never thought about going into a studio, you know, when I was a teenager because it, it scared the crap out of me. You know, I was not confident enough mm. to, um, you know, play. I'm not a great guitar player and I don't think I'm a great singer. 
So I think I was just really um, just nervous about doing mm. it. I'd not got confident. I could do it live because I think it, it's like when you're doing it live, it's like it's over. If you make a mistake, whatever, yeah. part of the, it's part of the, the, the show and, and nobody remembers it, mm. you know, so it, it doesn't matter. But when you're doing recording, I want it to be really good. Yeah. Um, and so what happened was that when I started um, recording myself and things like, you know, Cubase and computers and stuff came out, I was like, wow, you can suddenly, I can suddenly record myself. Mm. So um, I kind of, it started from there. And then what was interesting is that when I, I kind of put down music for a while. And then when I moved back to Sheffield and the kids were small and stuff, I started writing again. Um, and it was actually yeah, what really got me into it again was meeting Jody mm. and 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 being in a scene where people push you as a songwriter. Yeah. And um, so I really started thinking, right, well, I can record all the things I need to do now. Technology is getting so good that I don't need to go anywhere else. Mm. The funny thing is, is that um, for one of the albums, I can't remember which one it was, but it was a, it was quite a few years ago. I've got a friend who owns a who's a producer in Sheffield, and he's like really he's like Hawley's producer, and um, and I'd done some work for him. He was like, "Oh, come to the studio and record a track." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, okay, that'd be brilliant." You know, I've got a really amazing producer. Mm. You know, do it. And I hated it. I hated every minute of it because <laughs> I felt like every time that light went on, I got red light fever, and yeah. I was like, I "Can't do it." And I was like. I need to be able to do it in my own time when I'm not thinking how much I'm paying somebody yeah. else to do it, you know, and you're sitting there in a studio going, this is costing me, you know, X amount a day. Or I think I'd be all right if I was with a band because I think peer pressure and being yeah. in a team would be all right. But on my own, I was just thinking, oh, you know, I'm not happy with it, but I don't know how to tell him that I'm not happy with it. And, mm. and, and uh, you know, and he was like, oh yeah, no, that's really good. It's really good. But I was just not, I was not satisfied with, with my own performances. Mm. So I just went back to doing it myself. <laughs> and, and and at least that way, um, I'm kind of, I'm not a control freak, but I like, I don't like being rushed to do stuff. Yeah. But conversely, I'm really good. I, I, I'd like somebody, especially when I'm doing vocals to be with me to go, nah, do it again. Mm. No, do that again. No, do that again. Because otherwise I'm like four takes, nah, that's fine. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, I'm, uh, I'm um, I like to get things down quick, and uh, and I don't dick about with them much afterwards. You know, I might I'd rather get the performance in there and like yeah. tweak it a little bit tuning wise, but I'm not. You know, I don't want to. I don't want it to sound off. No. Um, and actually, one of the tracks on the new album, the last track, I I did go to a studio. Um, the guy who I learned. I did some production courses in 2019 and then mm. 2020 online simply because I was getting so into it, but I'd never had any formal training or anything. And yeah. it was a, it's a studio in Sheffield called Red Tape, which is a council studio. It's been there since the seventies. It's like a bit legendary really. Um, and um, there was a guy running courses there for adults. It was like adult, it was like night school. Mm. So, drive from Leeds back to Sheffield on a Tuesday night, get a pizza on the way home, stuff this pizza in my face, <laughs> and then go and do four hours of of, um, of recording production uh, course. And there's me and like four other guys. Uh, I was like, you know, yeah, there's like three girls, you know, four boys on this mm. course and stuff. All different 
different ages and stuff. Yeah. I mean, from eight so there was me and this other guy who was who were probably the oldest on the course, and then there was um, you know these you know just various different people, which was quite good because everybody was getting something different out of it. Mm. It was brilliant. The guy's just an incredible teacher and just a really nice guy. And he's like, he taught us how to mic everything up from like grand pianos to yeah. like, you know, kits to vocals. And we'd produce this track. And I just, it, I was in heaven. I could have just lived there and just learned all this stuff. And um, so, yeah, I got to know Tom. Tom's kind of, Tom Henthorne's the guy who ran the courses. And he was like, ended up being my like production mentor. Mm. He's the kind of guy that you can phone up and go, oh, it sounds a bit weird. It, why is it sound weird? And he's going, oh, you need to take your notch out at 200K or whatever. I'm like, oh, how do you know that? That's just yeah. like, you know, but he's always right. <laughs> you know, he's like, he, he just his ears are like, he just knows when things don't sound right. And he knows exactly why. So yeah. he's always. So anyway, I, I, for the last time, I was like, um, he was helping. I'd, I'd gone to play in the album, actually, on the studio. And he was like, so he could listen to it. Um, just because I wanted his opinion. And he was like, well, I've got some, I'd booked in like a day to do it. Mm. And he was like, well, he listened to the tracks and went, yeah, they're all great. I was like, yeah, brilliant. That's all I wanted you to say. He's <laughs> like, well, do you want to record something since we're here? So I'd got, I've got some tracks that I'm working on that I'm trying to hold back because I don't yeah. want to start working yet. But there was one that's just a piano and vocal. And he was like, well, let's just do that. So literally it was like, put a mic in front of my face and mic'd up this piano. I was like, oh, Okay, I've on the spot. And actually I managed to get it done. I'm I'm really happy with the results. And, mm-hmm. and not only was it that, it's like I was playing and singing at the same time. So I had to get into that live mode. Yeah. Where I wanted to get the the um uh you know the 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 performance there. But I didn't want to fuck up. Yeah. You know, and I, and, and it's so hard because you get right the nearer you get to the end, the more in your brain you're going, I'm gonna cuck up, I'm gonna cuck <laughs> up, you know. And, but um, but yeah, that and that was, and I think that was probably just because it was with him. You know, I'm, I I know him so well, and maybe it's just, you know, I get I get a bit um, stage fright in front of people. Sometimes. I think but, I think that is important though. Is I ran student like him recording studios in uni, and it is making sure that the people around you you trust. Because I, the first thing I ever recorded when I was about eighteen, it was in a recording studio in Liverpool, and the engineer was a fucking dick. And it was, he fought us on every decision. We were like, oh, we want to kind of do gang vocals on this. And he was like, no. And I was like, I'm the, like, I was 18, so I didn't question it. But looking back and like how I've ran studios and how I've recorded now, where if someone says no to me when I'm saying, well, no, I'm going to do it because I'm fucking paying for it and it's my music. But when you're that young, it's one of those things where you're like, you don't argue with the person who you think knows better than you. Completely agree. I mean, I think that's where I, I felt, you know, when I went back and went did this this stuff, um, you know, with the the other guy I know, it was lovely. I get on with him really well. We're really good friends. But I felt like he was like, he was like, he was saying, oh, you yeah. should do this. Like, it, I think the thing is, as a producer, and and I think this is why Tom's really good. Is that in fact, I think we did a bit. We did one session on how to talk to singers when you're recording <laughs> like the whole that was great oh brilliant you nailed it man but just do one more yeah you know it's like rolling saying really not good it's like yeah. I, I, um but i think it's you've got to be a people person and you've got to say you've got to be able to talk to people in a way that is um you know respectful yeah but also be able to um 
you know, get what you think is going to sound good, yeah. but still catch what they want. Yeah. You know, I, and... I even think like compromising, like, cause I've done it for my, like when I was doing studios and he should have done it back then was you go, okay, that's a good idea. Let's do it. And then you yeah. play it back and go, how does that feel? And you go, actually, no, that doesn't actually work. Yeah. Yeah. You've got yeah. to be able to, you, your experience might tell you that it's going to sound rubbish, yeah. but you, you need to be able to factor in time to be able to, for them to hear it, try it and hear it yeah. so that it doesn't work. You know, um, yeah, I think you do it this with, I mean, you, you do it, you must do it with, with design and stuff as well. And I know I do it when I'm doing photography is that sometimes somebody's got an idea and they're like, oh, I want it to like this and we can mm. do that. And you're like, yeah, but I'm not sure I'm, we're going to be able to get that with what we have. And, yeah. you know, you have to kind of show them and they go, yeah, it's not working. Is it? Yeah. You know, and I think it's it's any sort of creative thing is that if you're producing or helping somebody to do stuff is that you can have ideas that you can throw in um, or you might have in your head what you want it to sound like. Mm. Um, it's only been, it's only, I've only ever had, <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, I was thinking back of all the things I've done this year because it's been quite a busy production mm. um, year. And right at the beginning of the year, I did Andy P. Davidson's album. Yeah. And that just came out of us uh, talking last year. But he's like, oh, I've got these demos. I don't know what to do with them. And I was like, well, send them to me. You know, we can we can do some stuff with them, I'm sure. And he'd got them all on Garage Band. And he'd played, uh, you know, electronic drums and he'd got, you know, guitars down and things like that. So I could, it, so it was all like a snapshot of what we needed to do. So all I needed to do was go, right, this is what I think needs to be done on him. Mm. Um, I'll put some parts down so um, he can hear, you know, you, you've, he'd already done the bass. I redid the drums uh, in Logic, actually, because mm. I didn't have the facility to record a drummer at the time. Um he put the bass down, he put the vocals down. So the only thing I really did was I did some sort of piano stuff on it and I did like layered guitars. I tend to kind of throw a lot of guitars onto onto stuff just to try and, you know, make things sound a little bit more interesting, really. Mm. And then um, there was a few tracks where I was like, oh, no, I need to strip all these guitars out. I need to strip all this. Out. And there's one track in particular. I was like, I really like the guitars on that. And he's like, yeah, it's not working. It's not working. Let's just strip them out. And it's the only track on the album I kind of thought, oh, I wish we'd left those in. <laughs> but it's at the end of the day, it's his album. So yeah. he wants it to sound like that. And then I, I saw him like probably about two or three months later when they were doing stuff. And he was like, oh, we started doing that track kind of with Fargo. I was like, oh, that's cool. cool. You know, putting an APD track in with the Far- with Fargo. And he was like, yeah, we, we put all the guitars back in. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you took them out, man. It's like, oh, God. It's like, you know. But you know, it's it's those things. You know, you need to you need to be um, sympathetic to what people want, and yeah. you know, and you know, at the end of the day, it's their it's their thing. So, yeah. but yeah, but uh, so but I I think did you record all your stuff like in studios then? Um, so rusted like my EP. I like it's a my mate's got a home studio, and uh, Paul. So I recorded rusted. Is just like that EP was three microphones to catch the guitar and vocals, and it was literally we did two takes, best take stayed, and we did a bit of mixing on it. The next life, it was again, it was the same studio, but what we did was um, I stayed over at his, and we had like a weekend of recording everything, kind of as a uh, 
like just basic tracks with just me and the uh, guitar singing to catch everything, then going over overdubbing the guitars, doing redoing the vocals, and then yeah, going out right, and then yeah, and then yeah. did the harmonica and stuff, and then we went out to like pedal steel was done in the states so that was remotely recorded. Uh, fiddle, we went over to someone else's house and recorded that in their garage, uh, but then yeah. we recorded the majority of it in like 2018. And then wow. I did a fucking ton of gigs and was listening back to everything and was like, I can do all these vocal takes so much better. So then it was, I think, end of 2019 or middle of 2019, we went in and redid all the vocals again because I just knew I'd grown with it enough. Because yeah. when yeah. sometimes you write a song and you re- like you record it and it's still fresh and you capture that freshness, but then you gig it and you road test yeah. it and you it gets a weight and you know how to deliver a certain line a certain way that gives it more of an impact. And it was one of those things I ended up, we did two days of just vocal takes. I ended up fucking blowing my voice out for like a month from it, which I was just being an idiot over. I should do that. You know, the things with me as well is that I don't do a ton of gigs. Mm. I, I, I do. I like doing solo stuff and I love sitting and do it, but I don't, I don't actively pursue like loads of yeah. gigs and I should do more, you know, mm. because I, lo- I love doing them. I love performing and it's the best way of showcasing songs. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I think you're right. I, sh- I should literally go, right. I'm going to do vocals this weekend with somebody and just do the whole thing. Mm. Um. Because you're right. As you, as a song develops over time, the more you play it, the you know you just you just naturally can sing it you know yeah. whereas right when it's new it's like but um yeah I, I i get to a stage i'm definitely with this album having it been on the boil since 2020 that a lot of the stuff was recorded you know in t- over two years so now mm. i'm listening to these final mixes and i'm like i'm almost at that over stage where i'm like yeah. oh i don't like that and, and actually nobody else knows nobody else hears those things no. And um, it just needs to it just needs to be released into the wild now. Yeah, you know, and I yeah. can go right, and then I'll spend the next you know ten years going. Oh, I don't like that bit, <laughs> you know. But yeah, you know, at least yeah. it's no. those things. But um, I love the fact that you were saying that you know you recorded like this bit in Gary's, and then you went somewhere else to do this bit, and then this was done remotely. I think that's the most amazing thing about recording stuff today. Yeah, definitely. And I love going. Yeah other places and being able to record and, and, you know, just going with a laptop, yeah, couple of mics, two pair of headphones. Well, that's all you need. It's yeah. all you need. And, and you go and record a piano and, or somewhere and, or, you know, you go to a, um, I mean, we recorded some of the, the Sheffield, Sheffield stuff in the top room at a pub in Sheffield called the Gardener's Rest, just because it was a room that, that we we got for free, yeah, and everybody could get to, and um, you know, so we did those that there. But I I love, I love the fact that technology means that you can do that, yeah. Um, especially remote recordings, mm. you know, getting sent a load of stuff is like, whoa, that's amazing. Yeah, you know, that's uh, that's what I enjoyed about remote recording, and kind of my fiddle player, he's he does stuff through like Fiverr and things as well, like he gets hired out to do loads of stuff, so he's got a load of recording right. stuff at his house. So I'll send him demos. And he'll just send back basically like a full mixed thing and all the layers yeah. and shit. Like Mothman, and um, we recorded. It was meant to be me, 
drummer, fiddle player. Fiddle player got COVID. So um, he had to like just isolate. So it was just me and the drummer on the day. And then we just sent everything over to him after it because um, we recorded our parts. We recorded them together, then separate and just to make sure everything fits. Sent everything over yeah. to him and he just came back with this full thing. And that is the beauty of remote recording because then it was also, we jammed and like rehearsed it and stuff. So we knew roughly the melody lines he was going to do and stuff. But he came back with like four like layered lines and it was just like holy fuck like what people send you back is just because you aren't in the moment to do it and that's where like the collaboration really comes in when you trust that artist to really bring their talent and perspective to a track completely i mean that's why i loved i mean doing the first the first quarantines out because so buffalo i guess in the quarantines the quarantines came out because we were all in quarantine yeah Uh, so being able to get like full drum parts like from Cornwall, yeah, you know, in your in your Dropbox, you're just like, wow, man, that's cool. And then you know, the ironically, and I was literally about you know half a kilometre from where yeah. I am, but we still meet. So there was that, and then I'd got um, a friend of mine who's a really good singer called Sally Doherty, who sang on uh, um, one of the tracks, and she did that remotely. So yeah, I was going to just, ask, was that um, follow me down? Uh, that no, that's uh, that was turn this boat around. Ah, but follow me down is Julie Waldron, who I was talking about oh, earlier. Oh, cool. Who's got a? She's got a phenomenal voice. She mm. really has, and love. She's really lovely as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's quite a few. Uh, that's where all the duets and collaborations, sort of vocal stuff, started. Um, just being able to do that, and then get Julia to do yeah. one, and then you know Jody to do one, and and I quite like singing with other people. Mm. so uh um yeah and the, because we can record remotely the only person that can't is jody yeah <laughs> he's not, you know he's i always say it's like whereas whereas uh covid and quarantining and stuff was kind of not the making of me but it, it was like an opportunity i mean i don't know there was loads of real crap yeah. and horrible things happening but for me, it was it was a bit like, wow, I've got time, I've got some songs, I've got, I'm never going to get this opportunity again. Mm. So I embraced it, and and I was going out on my daily run for an hour and writing songs and mm. it, uh, lyrics and stuff because I write a lot when I write lyrics a lot when I'm running, which is mm-hmm. really weird. Um, and so I was coming back with all this stuff, and I got these people to work with, and I was on the phone to Jody going, "Oh, you're writing stuff, man." He's like. Not written a thing. Because he's um, got just, his outlet. Yeah, just before we go on, we're getting timed out of this, so I need to send you a new link. Oh. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sorry, I'll send that. you a link through Facebook. Yeah. No worries, Matt. Yeah. Or. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jody. Uh, yeah. So, whereas, um, from, oh, I've got an itchy head, but I can't get to my headphones. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So, with Jody, like, I, his outlet is his live stuff. You know, he writes for the band, he writes for life, he, you know, he, and, and that was his, his thing. And he likes being out socially, you know, well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> know, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, his outlet is kind of that live thing. And, and I, I, he had not written anything. Mm. And it was so odd to me to be, uh, to not, uh, it, it just showed that we are completely 
yeah. different when it comes comes to that. But you know, he was. I was trying to push him to write stuff because we're talking about inspiration and stuff, especially with songwriting. He's probably my biggest influence over mm. anybody because he's a mate and he's bloody good and he pushes me to do stuff. You know the um, uh, in a really good way. More than anybody, really. I mean, I've got influences and stuff, but I, I find my biggest influences people like you know, like you and Jody and mm. Chris, you know, and uh, uh, Amelia and and you know these and Julia and all these people that I hang around with. I hear that they're right, and I'm going, oh my god, that's a really good song. You know, I listen to them more than mm. you know anybody else commercially. Commercially, really. So yeah, for him to just go and not write anything was like, whoa! I was really worried about him, but yeah, mm. he's obviously all right. But you know, and yeah. from so, what I've always uh, seen of Jody stuff is he is so live focused because he is that yeah. type of musician where he has to imagine an audience singing it back to him, and yeah, having that kind of presence, and I think that's a really interesting way to write because it's not necessarily a right of necessity but of like a want and wanting to have that social interaction like you said and i think jody's a really interesting artist like that because he has mm. that kind of perspective like he can write a fucking hell of a song but he wants what music is meant to do he wants to be able to perform it live to people and have that reception to him exactly and he's able to kind of get in that not only from with with fargo when he when they're like rocking and and you know the birthday shows and stuff as you've probably been to seen fargo lows just like they're just like an experience yeah but when he's on his own and this is what i love, love about him solo is that he can bottle lightning mm. really well um and the first album that i recorded with him is solo stuff have you got the little ep that he did yeah. the kitchen yeah that was on my behind that behind that door and he just came over and I stuck. I didn't even use, I used a vocal mic and a Zoom recorder. So the little Zoom recorders yeah. that have got the little cross things on the Yeah, front. that's what I used to remote record yeah. my podcast with. Yeah, amazing things. That was literally in front of him to get the guitar. And then I got a separate mic plugged into that for a vocal. Mm. And everything that we did on those was was um, was done on that. Yeah. And you kind of go, that's most basic recording things that you can do. Yeah. And it's all about his performance. And that's why that album just sounds so good. That yeah. you know, because it's 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 putting something in front of somebody and then mm. trying to and then just nailing it. And he mm. did it. Most of those things were probably the first take, <laughs> you know, which is what I struggle with. And that's I think that's why I'm in awe a little bit sometimes because I've tried to do the same thing and, and it can never, I I'm never satisfied with, with that kind of, you know, where, where you're doing it. I need, I need some run-ups and uh, some false starts and some, yeah. you know, yeah. some of those sort of things. But yeah. 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 Um, but with, cause obviously you've got your new album coming out. I was listening to it and it's really so well done. It's called, is it called these fires? Called these fires. Yeah. 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 Which is funny because I have got a song called The Doors. Sorry, mate. One sec. Go for it. Go for it.
No worries, ma'am. Sorry, I thought the uh, door had gone. Oh, that's fine. Uh, yeah, these fires. Um, I've got a song called "These Fires" that's that's written. I'd got a different title for the album, and then um, I wrote a song called "These Fires," mm. which is basically about writing songs. So I call it "These Fires" because sometimes, for me, I feel like songs can come from lots of different places they can yeah. either be me just in playing some chords as i say i write a lot of lyrics when i'm running which is sounds weird but i'll have loads of things on my phone mm. or yeah i'm a and stuff and i find that they, they are like little fires that you can you know you build your your wood and stuff and then you kind of let them smolder for a bit mm. and then you might they might go out and you're like oh, okay and then you come back to them and you rekindle them again yeah so it's like it, it's like building all these things and you want them to burn and, and like kind of yeah. people and stuff. So I've got that title and I, and I wrote this song called These Fires and it's been, um, but I wrote, I've written that recently, probably in the last sort of like four or five weeks. Mm. And I was looking for, for titles for the, for the album. And that just seemed to fit really. Um, I've not recorded These Fires yet because I want to do it with the new band. Mm. Um, so it's a bit, as sounds a bit pretentious to have a song that is not on the album that the album's titled out of but i kind of like that as well it's a bit wanky so i'm like yeah okay <laughs> well, um, it's what fits it's what moves you and makes the most sense i think that's the important thing is to not try and force an album title if it makes sense it makes sense yeah it was really interesting i was listening to your podcast from a couple of weeks ago and i can't remember which one it was but they were talking about having titles for songs before you've written them Oh yeah, it. Like somebody wrote down and they go, "I'm gonna have that song. It's called that." And it's yeah, that, that was that, um, the uh, Pierce Eden's one with uh, Rob Halford's songwriting techniques. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because you were saying you were reading Rob Halford's um, uh, autobiography or something, which I bet is very interesting. Isn't it? Yeah, but um, but I quite like that. And I've often thought about having a group of people and going, "Right, that's your title," like giving you a title, yeah. and you go, "All right." I think people would. I know I've done things where, you know, you send like the different lines to people and things mm. and try and write collaboratively like that. Um, but I think song titles more than um, like lines sometimes um, make songwriters think deeper about yeah. stuff because you take them in so many different ways. Um, and I think that's quite, I do that quite a lot, actually. You know, I'll mm. have a title and think, oh, quite like or i'll have a line and i'll be like i like that but yeah um often with my lyrics and stuff it it's it's about probably about two or three some they're either very storytelling that's mm. what they're about you know telling a story or they're quite ambiguous and yeah. quite um there might be about two or three different things and i'll kind of some of them will be from experience and some of them won't and mm. i don't i don't necessarily want to write completely autobiographical so sometimes it's about um you know line fit or feelings that fit so Mm. um yeah two different ways of doing it really Mm. but Um, i think it's because you know this is from doing this podcast you kind of expect songwriters to have their way 
but every songwriter has like five or six different ways of how yeah. they'll be inspired and how they'll come up with stuff and how a line yeah. will generate this and then a chord progression will think of that and it's you know it's one of those things that it's it's so ever-changing it's a really interesting thing that you can't be beholden to thinking one way will work forever yeah no exactly yeah do you tend to write lyrics first or are you a, um, a, a fiddling about on chords first it it honestly it depends like um work on i had the riff first right and then my most recent how to build a guillotine was i had that line and i just thought it was hilarious <laughs> and i just thought yeah. it was really funny and then i was like well what would that song be about it was like well it would have to literally literally be about how to build a guillotine and it's like well how do you build a guillotine and yeah. then research <laughs> yeah, and then i had to do research and I, I literally um i think i shared it on my facebook a while ago i put up the um i'd been i was messaging myself on facebook and i was thinking i think the first line is find responsibly source timber and i thought that was a really fucking pretentious lefty line to include in it because you know that's how i feel but it's like well it has yeah. to be res- responsibly sourced timber to build the guillotine it can't be yeah, I just thought that was a really funny. I like the irony. I love the irony of that as well. It's like you know, you're not worried about what the guillotine is going to be used for. You know, chopping it's somebody's like, head off. But yeah. you know, make sure you responsibly resource. Yeah, because I, I feel uh, like I, you I, could I, build, I, you could build the guillotine and start hacking off the people you disagreed with heads, but the backlash would be, well, that was unethically sourced timber from the Amazon rainforest, <laughs> and that's what you'd get cancelled yeah. over. It wouldn't be the actual. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah no I, I i love that kind of thing those sort of dark lines are great and stuff but um yeah turning my heating off um yeah it, it's a uh, i love where things can come from nowhere where, like sometimes i'll sit down and I'll, i've got lines that just write themselves and it's like yeah. you know, there's a few songs that are like that and then others that i'll have if i i, I tend to if i do have music first I'll either be sitting in my kitchen or what, just playing around, and I'll I'll have always got my phone, just put like voice memo on. Yeah, and I've got so many voice memos now, and I've actually started doing a folder called potentials, which is like ones <laughs> that have that are, they're one step from me yeah. about. And some of them have got lyrics, and some of them have got words and stuff. And actually, I find that if I don't, if I just sing anything, sometimes I might get a line from that. Yeah. and go, oh, actually, because it's subconscious, you just you know whatever. But then there's other times where, like the, on the album, there's a uh, there's a song called "Rock the Boat," which is the the single as well. It's just that that came out from it, and it's quite it's quite rocky for me. Mm. Uh, it's got like a proper riff and everything, you know. And I had that riff age. I I remember um, when we were first allowed out after lockdown, I'd got that riff, and Jody me, me and Jody used to go and play basketball in the park, mm. and um, when we were allowed out, and and and. I'd got this riff and gone, oh, God, man, I've got this riff. And he's like, oh, it's really good. And I'm like, I have no idea what to do with it. Mm. I must have had it for a year, just listening to it in the car going, and, and it, the song was kind of built and I was like, I've never struggled so so much with, with lyrics for it. And it had mm. got a real kind of, it was me like um, embracing my inner Lenny Kravitz. <laughs> And that's uh, and I was like, oh, uh, but not as cool, obviously. But uh, and I was like, oh, I really wanted to have that for that funky feel, but rocky as well and, yeah. and stuff. But I, I know I'd write about, and I wanted it to be kind of meaningful, but 
also throwaway and uplifting as well. Mm. And then a photo shoot with um uh for a a dance dance uh, company in, in Leeds. And it was a group of guys that do heel dancing. So like mm. really big, cool guys and stuff like um very camp, very lovely blokes. But they do they're dancing in heel like six inch heels. Mm. And they're like really funky dancing and stuff. And it was kind of, you know, it was just really inspiring. And it, and I just thought, I'm just going to write a song about how different we all are and how yeah. everybody's really cool and stuff. And, I, you know, you've got to get out there and, and like, fucking tell people that you're there. You know, yeah. so I, it, I didn't really mean it to be about diversity and, like, right on and stuff. But it, 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 like, it ended up being that way. And I really worked hard to make sure that, you know, I, I said what I wanted to say. And I mm. don't write a lot like political stuff or mm. anything a lot of my stuff's like so throwaway it doesn't really matter you know what i mean it's i want it to, i want it to be meaningful but i it, it i think you don't get it's, you don't it want to make matter. some people don't want to make a statement i think that's like the yeah. thing where it's no, like you I, want yeah. people to no, that, get I don't. it but you don't yeah. want to like plant your flag well that's one of the things i try and do is like if i'm gonna say fucking build a guillotine it's like well that's that's a statement now and i have to yeah. kind of commit to it but then there are the yeah. songs where it's like they're not ne- it's not necessarily throwaway but it's you know it's not the be all and end all of my personality yeah. it's, it's one of those it's things. not a political it's not a political statement yeah and yeah. I, I love you know a lot of people that do have you know I don't know. There's so much music and there's so much you can do with it. That's the beauty of it, you know. So sometimes, you know, if that song is going to come out from it, mm. you know, great. And I like the fact that actually, if you didn't listen to it that much, you'd be like, oh, yeah, it's just about, you yeah. know, fuck the boat. Yeah, man. You know, just be out there, go and kick ass. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, that's the that's the feeling that I want from it. And actually, the riff and that drive on it really, really has it. And mm. um, and I've managed, but the thing is, it's like, I've managed to nail a couple of, um, really great musicians to work on this as well that have ended up forming the band. Mm. So um, I've not been in a band in inverted commas for years. You know, it's just been me mm. and then grabbing a load of people in to come and record. Um, but I, um, I decided for this album launch, I wanted a band, you know, mm. I didn't want it to just be me. I wanted it. And I wanted a band that can carry on and do all the things yeah. that I, you know, I've got, I'm ready to to kind of go out and be in a in a proper band with people now. Yeah. So I managed to get a guitarist called Mark Lyle, who's mm. amazing, Sheffield sort of legend almost. He write he does with Bear Cats. He was in Roman Sawn. He was uh, mm. he does M and J blues with his dad still, which is a, an incredible experience. You ever go and see them? And I just asked him to record a couple of tracks. So he did that, and then he did Five Hundred Horses as well. Um. Because he's a really good lead guitar player, and I'm a rubbish lead <laughs> guitar player. I'm, I'm like like Les Dawson on guitar when it when it comes to solos. Um, so yeah, and, it, and he was like, "Oh, I really like this stuff." And I'm like, "Well, I'm putting a band together if you really want to be in it." And he was like, "Yeah, man, I was, I'm up for that." So it's him, um, and then Smack from Fargo is drumming for me. Mm. So that's kind of a bit of a coup, which is uh, is really good. And I've just nice. said, look, you know, I, I, yeah, that's really good um, that he wants to do it and that he's able to do it. I've always said, look, you know, it's this band will, will work around anything anybody else wants to do. I don't want to do a thousand ton of gigs. I just yeah. want to. I'd rather do 
one gig every four months than four gigs every month. Yeah, you've you got know, to be and, selective to yeah. really make an impact, yeah, I think. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And then um really good uh, friend of Smacks was was a bass player that I played in a couple of covers bands when we've had a bit of a laugh mm. uh, called Jules and he's solid on bass. So there's him. So yeah, between us that's the core. We're gonna get some other people to come in and out and stuff on the yeah. night to do awesome. Some, and is that kind of the plan for twenty twenty three? Because I know you've got a Sheffield gig um booked in for yeah. like, the album launch and stuff. Is that kind of like the plan to that's it, yeah. So the first time we went out of a, as a band was the Sheffield or Sheffield gig the other night, and it was like sold out lead milk. So you can't, and I'm, you know, I'm like, well, our band, you know, the first time we went out, we sold out the lead milk. In fact, it was a charity gig. With all the people on, I'm not going to mention, but you know, but it felt really good to be on a stage with three other people, mm. and we were just smiling all night, and and it took me three days to kind of come down from that gig. <laughs> so. And we only did one. Well, we ended up doing one track, and then we ended up back in Julia at the end because the the guys that were going to back her had to drop out at the last minute. Mm. And so we're like, we can we can play that. She did Maloko um, sing it back. And we were like, Mark's like, oh, I know the riff, we can do that. I was like, oh, okay. So we ended up back in her, and it was just a really good night. But yeah, so the the, the February gig, so February third uh, at the Greystones, um, is the album launch, and that'll be the first proper buffalo ghost mm. um i'm not doing the quarantines he's literally just going to be buffalo ghost and yeah. i've said to the guys look you want to change the name let's just change the name and be a different band you know i'm quite happy with that i don't want it to be like me but they're like well you've kind of started to get momentum with this so yeah that you know so i'm I'm quite happy i don't want it to be about our songs to it but i want other people to kind of have their input and and, mm. and i think that the music sound will change quite a lot mm. because of the other people that are involved I'm quite I'm quite looking forward to that. Um but yeah, we've got a core of us and then we've got some obviously some guest people that are gonna come and join us for doing stuff. So, you know, Julia Julia, mm. uh, my wife Charlie's gonna sing a couple of tracks on the because I'm doing a whole acoustic bit at the beginning as well. Yeah, cool. She's singing on that. Um um yeah, uh guy called John Slater who's another really good guitarist mm. um who played on the, the Six Feet from you album. Oh, awesome. So he's there. So 500 Horses, which is uh, on the, the first track on the album, is about like racing cars, like cars and money it's about. <laughs> and um, so I got them both. So they're they're both soloing at the same time. So it nice. sounds like a bit of a car race. <laughs> so that's going to be good. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm just I'm just I just need to sell tickets. As you, you, were, you were saying about pre-sales. Yeah, it's really funny. Um, and again, last podcast, you were talking about pre-sales and stuff. It's like you can't judge what's going to happen no. and i'm so nervous about people getting in you know um but what do you do you know you can tell people about it and just hope really yeah facebook you know, adverts have helped there's the good thing. <laughs> facebook adverts okay i'll bear yeah, that in mind the, I, the, I was just... yeah. yeah the grim so thing got... is you do have to put money behind promotion and so what i've found works well is flyers and going out and actually you know people power doing what happened to promote gigs yeah. back in the day before the internet that works really well uh, and then yeah. it is kind of targeted specific facebook ads um i've talked to a lot of like yeah. other artists and that's it's annoying because you shouldn't have to pay into the machine to get notice but no. the nature no. of the beast now is especially the majority or the demographic of facebook is older people who have disposable income who have our ticket buyers you have to market to them and 
getting yeah. a decent advert out in the right places will do a world of good. That's really interesting. No, that's, that's that's good to know. I think that um, I mean I've been doing uh, you know obviously artwork and posting and flyers and stuff, putting those things out, and then um, Martin Bedford, who's helping me promote yeah. the stuff and, and doing doing the poster and album stuff. He's runs Honeybee and he's got a yeah. big mailing list, so it'll go on that as well. And I think that I am that demographic. It's quite hard to pin down what this album is mm. um, because it's. It's kind of slightly country. It's slightly alternative. It's slightly, you know, it's uh, it's hard to know. Um, and uh, I'm quite comfortable with not being able to pin down a genre. Yeah. Um, I'd rather be. Um, I don't know. I, I'm. I'm. I'd rather be um, hard to pin down than that's what you are. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, it's, totally. It's one of those. Um. But yeah, I, I I am. This is where I struggle because I am very comfortable with creating the product. I'm quite comfortable with doing all the packaging. In fact, I love doing all the artwork, and is mm. you do as well. You know, we're both designers as well, and and I love drawing all the stuff up. And I'm 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 at the stage now with this album where I need to get the packaging done. And I'm I'm looking really I'm looking really um, forward to doing that. Yeah. But when it's done, I'm rubbish. I'm like. <laughs> I'm like I'm done now, and yeah. and I, I think the hardest thing is promoting an album when you're not. You know, being a designer is not the same as being some being a marketing person, yeah. and um and I find it, it the energy to be able to push something once you've made it is really wearing. I find mm. it really hard, and I know some people are really good at it, um, but I just want somebody to just go here we go. Let me just do that <laughs> bit, yeah. That that would be always you can be do the, it if you pay for it. Yeah, that would be the nice thing. I always try and I say this to people who are either anti-marketing or don't really know what to do and stuff. Is if you just try and make it an extension of that art, you make it more fun for yourself, and more people will gravitate towards it because it's not an obvious sell. It's not this is my album. Go listen to it. It's this album made me feel like this, which is why I wrote it it might make you feel like right. this and creating art because like, obviously it's like this, it's called content creation and I don't like, it's such a smarmy fucking phrase content, but it's like, you're still creating art. You're an artist putting something out into the world. So it should still be viewed as art, even if it's yeah. mass consumption to appeal to something else. Cause you know, yeah. you release a single that is to promote the record. So if you're releasing a video or a picture about the single to promote the record, you're still creating art to create that thing. And it's yeah, one of I those things just... where it's creating an extension of it. It's the part that you need yeah. to kind of perceive. It's psychologically thinking about it a different way. And yeah. I think you, you're right. And that's probably what I need to do is just kind of go, right. It's not, it's not, oh God, I've got to go and, try, you know, try and get a review, you know, mm. or do these things. You know, it's like, just make other stuff that people might might like to then ask them to go and you know yeah. into to the album. I mean, I, I I was debating whether I release the album before doing the launch because if mm -hmm. they're going to come to a show and I've not heard it, you know, how do I do that? But um, I've sent it out to a few people to kind of like play and stuff like that, and some words, you know, hopefully word will go round and and stuff. And I'll I will do some, you know, uh, look just some little clips of like some of the most of the tracks and just go yeah. okay this 
you know this 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 is what it sounds like yeah but um yeah especially the stories behind them because i love i love knowing why people write songs and yeah and the stories behind them. that's why yeah. i like songwriter nights best they're yeah. my favorite kind of gigs because i'd rather sit and watch you know four musicians talk about a song and hear it and go oh wow it gives you so much more meaning and stuff yeah, yeah. um but yeah i just want people to come I'm, I'm just and then i've just got to um enjoy the fact that it's going to be fine i mean we've got we've not we've done like a few rehearsals which has been really good and then we're all taking a break until after christmas and then fourth of january we've got like four weeks to kind of mm. nail it all yeah so that's going to be intense but yeah. fun yeah awesome. <laughs> i think if you were interested in doing it i think anyone who buys a ticket for the album launch gets a digital download of it because yeah a digital download you can't really make money off it it's one of those things that exists but it doesn't exist and then yeah. if they come into yeah. the thing they'll probably buy a physical copy of it yeah anyway yeah. so i think that might be a worthwhile thing to look at yeah when i did the last one i didn't do a launch because obviously we were in the middle of of still being locked down but i did cds um and because i really wanted to put something physical out there i i, I mean i'd I, you probably, I know you feel the same way. And the fact that I, I find a lot and listen to a lot of music digitally. So I'll be on mm. Spotify and it gives me new artists to listen to and, and, you know, and it's convenient. Yeah. But if I find somebody that I really like, I'll seek them out on Bandcamp. Yeah, I'll seek totally. them out, buy physical records. I'll go to gigs and buy and, you know, CDs. I'm quite lucky the fact that my, my car still has a CD player <laughs> and I commute a lot. So, um, you know, CDs are always in. I love it. But, CDs are they're dead, really. Yeah, you know, are. it's like I, I only do it because I want to literally physically produce something. Yeah. And I sold a lot of CDs for the last one. I, I did really well. And and I gave a download code for Bandcamp for each one. And I didn't release it on Spotify or anything for a year mm. until after I'd done that. Um, And I think that kind of kept the CD sales healthy. Yeah, no, it would. Yeah, that's this great idea. One, I don't know what to do because... I'm, I'm, I've not set it to be launched yet digitally, so I might do that and do right. If you come to the gig, I've got CDs to sell. You can buy them. Plus, yep. you get a, you get a download on Bandcamp, and you always get like little bits like stickers and yep. stuff like that. And I want to do some T-shirts, some merch, and stuff like that as well. Um, so I might do the same thing and not release it for like six months until it comes out mm. on Spotify. And that'll mean that people have to seek it out. And it means yeah. the hardcore people tell other people and Yeah, and, no, um, exactly. And 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 as you know, you know, to to sell a CD for a tenor, you have to stream it two thousand times on Spotify. So mm -hmm. I'm not that I'm doing it for money. I just no, if, but you want to be able to break even. CDs, yeah. I want to recoup the the cost of the CDs. And, you know, obviously I've not paid any studio fees. So that's one thing. Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, I think it's just trying to it's trying to keep yourself producing the sort of stuff you want to do in a physical format that you want to produce. Mm. I mean, I'd love to do vinyl. I would l absolutely adore to do it on vinyl. I just can't afford it. It's just yeah. not. It's not even in my sphere of you know being able to do. Um, but who knows? I mean, in the future, I might you know I might be able to do to do that at some point. If yeah, I'm, I think going. I'm going to kickstart my next one to cover the cost of the vinyl. Yeah. That's the plan anyway. Yeah. I think that because I don't really have a massive following, mm. I think it's only just starting to, to kick off. Um, 
and I think that's through through working with other people. You know, my name's about from yeah. a production point of view and a, and a songwriting point of view. But, but you know, I need to do more gigs, and I need to. You know, the band will help with that. Yeah. Uh, in between the band gigs, I'll do a lot of. I'll try and get some more acoustic stuff in. I'd love to do loads more songwriting, uh, singer songwriting, mm. songwriting nights because those are the ones that really feel like I can showcase what I'm doing as a yeah. songwriter. Um, more than just going out and like paying, you know, a forty-five minute set, mm. you know. So, um, so that's the plan, really. But I don't Sick, really have a plan. Yeah, well, that's all you can do. <laughs> but I think that's a good place to kind of wrap this up, man. But it's been an absolute yeah. pleasure to talk to you, and I can't wait to hear. Uh, Obviously, I've been listening to the record, and it's great. I can't wait for everyone else to hear this thing and for you to start gigging and you know cutting your teeth on the live scenes and play these tracks yeah. as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, that's, that's that's what I'm looking forward to next year. I mean, I've got a load of stuff with the Ash Mark Joan stuff coming up as well. I mean, I can only do that when Mark comes over. Yeah. So that gets quite intense when he's over here. But um, yeah, mingling the two in, they're very different. So um, yeah. yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to doing that. But yeah, thanks for, for chatting to me. It's been no, man, it's been an absolute pleasure. Nah, that's great, man. Thank you so much. Cheers. we have it folks episode 60 of the rogue country podcast in the bag thank you so much for listening do not forget that buffalo ghost is playing his album launch on the 3rd of february the honey bee blues club presents and it's gonna be at the Greystones in sheffield you do not want to miss this show tc and the hoodoo shakers and amj are opening it's gonna be an amazing time make sure you go listen to buffalo ghost's new album out on the 3rd of february 2023 this year we're in 2023 now time comes for us all until next time keep supporting the things you love keep doing the things you love and peace